On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to be talking about food, specifically the very, very pressing question after a study was put out the other day. Can drinking pop kill you? Just even a little bit of pop. The study says you drink two cans of pop a day, you are on a fast track towards a miserable death. Is that true? Kind of scary. Maybe a little overstated. We'll find out. We're also going to chat about basketball players in Canada. There are a lot of them. There's a lot of good ones. Yet almost none of them showed up for the World Cup, which is a qualifier for the Olympics. And now Canada has been smoked and probably will not be playing in the Olympics. Should we be blaming these players? I say yes. Bubba O'Neill will join. We'll hear what he has to say as well. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I assume if you've been anywhere in town in the last few days, you know something about this. Because it's been in the paper, it's been here on CHML, a lot has been on CHCH, it's been everywhere. And what this is, is just as a little bit of background, I won't bore everybody who knows this story very, very well. But the city has hired a consultant to look at what to do with First Ontario Centre. And specifically, the consultant, Ernst & Young, was asked to look at what to do downtown. It was a downtown study. And Ernst & Young came back with a report after looking at First Ontario Centre and said, look, it's going to need 40 plus million dollars within the next five years just to keep it going. And they did some more study and decided that based on spinoff benefits and size analysis and everything else, the city of Hamilton would be best served, they say, by a brand new 10,000 seat arena somewhere in the downtown. Not on the site of First Ontario Centre now, but somewhere in the downtown. This, of course, uh, led people to, including myself, to say, hmm, can't wait for this to come up in front of council. Let's see how this plays in front of council. Well, yesterday I wrote, and it's in the paper today and it's online today, I said, I, you know, I really, this can't end up being another LRT or another stadium debate. We, the city can't take another wildly divisive neighbor against neighbor situation where we are fighting about something that is supposed to be bringing the city together and instead we turn it into something that becomes an object of misery. That's what the stadium was. That's what the LRT was and is. We we can't afford for the sake of the city's psychology, if nothing else, another divisive fight. Well, I watched a bunch of the council meeting today where they talked about this and didn't see a whole lot there that didn't lead me to believe that that's exactly what was going to happen. I mean, they were polite for the most part. And some of them expressed an open mind. But when you read between the lines, you've got some people who whose feet are dug in or whose heels are dug in one way or the other on this one. Because keep in mind, the other side of this, the owner of the Bulldogs, Michael Anlauer, has also made a proposal to build or help build with city help a new 10,000-seat arena up at Lime Ridge Mall, not downtown. That's where the dispute comes in. Uh, City Council went in camera to talk about this probably four or five hours ago. They're still in camera as I'm looking right now. Obviously, this this is an issue that... We are heading towards, unless something happens that I'm not expecting, this is going to be another LRT, another stadium situation. 
It just looks like it anyway. It has that feeling right now. I was sort of hoping for something else, but, and again, maybe something can change, but it has that feeling. But I want to ask you, because you've heard this now for days, you've, you've, you're aware now of some of the issues around this. I want to hear from you what you would do. What would you do? You've got options. Essentially, I, I would think you've got these options. You keep First Ontario Centre as it is. You pour $40 million into it for now to keep it upgraded. And along we go just like that. Number two, you build a new arena somewhere in town with a mix of private and public money and do what the report suggests. If you do that one, you have to tell me, do you want it downtown or do you want it up in Lime Ridge Mall? Or the other option, I suppose, which was kind of raised today by Councillor John Paul Danko was, well, do we really need an arena in this city? Do we even need to have an arena slash concert venue, entertainment venue, or do we just, are we fine without one? Let's let it go. If it's going to cost us this much, just who cares? Let it go. Where do you stand? What would you do right now? If you were on council, what would you be voting for to handle this situation? Because just before I go to the phones, again, the number is 905-645-3221 star 9900. Here's the thing to remember. Don't call in and say, this is not necessary, I don't want to spend money. I mean, you can call in and say that, but that means then that your proposal is just to shutter First Ontario Centre and for us not to have any kind of arena or concert venue in the city. And I'll tell you why, because this report by Ernst & Young didn't give that option. The The arena as it is needs 40 plus million dollars just to keep going. So if you call in and say, this is not a priority, we don't want to spend the $40 million. Your vote is then that we should shutter. And that's fine. You're more than entitled to make that position said. Just so you know, there's not an option to say, keep First Ontario Centre without spending the money. That, that doesn't work together. So, would you build a new arena? Where would you build a new arena? Or would you spend the money to fix up First Ontario Centre and leave it as it is? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're talking about the arena debate. They are still, let me just check here, still in camera as we speak. I'll keep you updated if they pop out of camera, but who knows when that'll happen. City Council talking about this. I've asked you, what would you do as far as the arena in the city? Keep the new, keep the old one and put $40 million into it or so and just keep it going. Build a new one. If you're going to build a new one, where would you build it? Or do you just shut the whole thing down and say, city doesn't need an arena. We're fine. Fred is up first. Fred, how are you today? Good. I'm doing fine. I, I think if they build it on the escarpment, they will come. The reason why they will come, Victor Koff's proved that when he made a deal with Cadillac Fairview. The escarpment, and they're the biggest taxpayers in the city of Hamilton-Wentworth, and to me, they have done very well, all the development of the stores and around the city, the houses, the schools, everything's developed. Now, downtown... To me, they've been trying to develop it for years. It hasn't done nothing. They still got no hotels. Carmen up here, uh, up here in Escarpment, got a hotel, and they got all that stuff. Like to me, people are trying to hit an old horse downtown. Downtown. I lived downtown years ago on Bay and Sheep Street when I was a kid, and the first thing I noticed, all the Italianos and everybody wanted to live on the Escarpment because downtown had it. And this is where the development is. If you go on 20 Highway and see all the new houses and everything, it's up here on the escarpment. And Victor Coffs was right. 
Fred, I on the escarpment, they will come. Fred, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, Peter is up. Peter, how are you? Good, and how about you? I'm great. What would you do if you were making the choice on on an arena somewhere? Okay, well, I just I find it. I would put it up here on the escarpment. In fact, I'm sitting here right across from uh, Limeridge Mall, and I can see since Sears has left, there's quite a bit of property up here, and I uh, and that's actually down. that's actually where it would be. It would be where the Sears is right now. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I look like why give a look at a gift horse in the mouth? I mean, you have. Uh, the owner of the hockey team wanting to put his own money in, Cadillac Fairview wanting to contribute money towards this project, and I don't see how the city can dictate to people putting private sector money in where they should be putting their arena. Well, Peter, what they would say is, but we're also putting in tens of millions of dollars, so we get to have a say in this. Well, I just look at it that I think that they need to spread the goodwill around in Hamilton. It's not all about downtown, downtown. I live downtown, and I find that uh, it's hard to get around nowadays down there. Uh, Traffic is a problem, and I think they need to look at other areas in Hamilton, and I think this is a a great location. It's right off the link. Uh, you got the 403, the QEW coming in. I think it would be an ideal location. I mean, you could have said that about the football stadium. That it could have, should have, you know, could have, should have. <laughs> yeah, could have, should have. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Peter, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, let me go to Frank. By the way, 905-645-3221, star 9900. Where would you put an arena or the arena if it was going to be built? Frank is up. Frank, how are you? I'm quite, quite well. Are, are you trying to start a referendum on this? Not trying to start a referendum. That's already been started because the, the referendum was started when the owner of the Bulldogs put in this proposal for Lime Ridge Mall, not for the downtown. You think so, right? Well, I'm going to go against the last two. I think there's enough traffic on the mountain already in around Lime Ridge Mall. You can already move there, and it's going to expand even more. And it's a residential community. Um, I'm going to go with this uh, um, proposal, uh, Scott, uh, where the LRT and the GO train meet so they can bring people in and out fast. Don't have to worry too much about parking, which it will be an issue, but we, we can get parking downtown. We can, we, we can make it, we can get in, even down on the, the, the um, Bay Shore there, and they can just come up easy from there. Because I think the, the future of Hamilton, despite what was, people have lived there before, I think it's going to really blossom. Look at all the high-rise residences that are going up there. People are going to be a walk away. And you know what? When you go to a game like that, and you go, let's just look at the other big cities, you really don't want to drive. Rapid transit is going to be the thing. That's my take. I appreciate that, Frank. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. Uh, let me go to Tom. Tom, how are you? Hello. Uh, are you talking to me? I am talking to you, Tom. What do you think? Where would you put an arena if you were going to do it? Well, um, I know uh, st- studies have shown that uh, things like an arena and uh a stadium, uh, including the stadium where the Tiger Cats play, if it's not in or near the downtown area, it's a failure. You're saying, now do you believe that, or are you saying that's what the studies say? I believe it. Okay. So you would put Um, it somewhere downtown, obviously. I would, and uh, I would uh, consider, for example, uh, uh, doing to uh, the First Ontario Centre what uh, they did to Maple Leaf Gardens. Uh, you could uh, use the uh, the bottom tier, the bottom bowl for uh, for ice hockey and and uh, you know that sort of thing, 
and then uh, put a floor in for the uh, second bowl and put in a 200-meter track and a bunch of um, uh, courts and things like that. Interesting, Tom. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, now, Tom's idea, by the way, of that one, and that's what they did at Maple Leaf Gardens, that was rejected by the proposal, basically. something They didn't say specifically that, but they rejected the idea of a reforming a First Ontario Centre. Their argument was it's either you maintain First Ontario Centre just as it is, or you build a new one. Love to hear from you. If you didn't get in, radley at 900chml.com, what you would do, what your choice would be on this one. It, here's the problem. Here's the problem, and you heard it even with four calls right there. Two for the mountain, two for the downtown. We live in a city that is geographically divided, that seems to be getting more divided, that seems to be more about, I live on the mountain, therefore the mountain is good and downtown is a dump, or I live downtown, everything must be downtown, the future is downtown, and the people on the mountain, they don't get it. That Those are the two positions that seem to be taking root here with a lot of different debates, a lot of different things. Not sure that's helpful, but that's where we are, and that's where we're going to be when this arena debate kicks into high gear, which it actually started today you're listening to the scott radley show podcast on 900 chml there have been a bunch of stories that have been online weird al could have been singing about them because there are some some studies some stories some anecdotes there are things going on in the world of food right now that are both terrifying in some cases puzzling in other cases and i wanted to get someone in to chat about this who knows her way around both food and nutrition like so I guess they kind of tie together. If you know anything about food, I would like to think you know something about nutrition, but probably not. There's probably not necessarily a connection there. Uh, Shannon Crocker does know both, though. She is a food and nutrition consultant from this area. Uh, she joins us now. Shannon, how are you today? I'm great, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome. Glad to have you. I want to go through a few of these things. We're going to sort of fly through a bunch of them because, there, as I say, there's been this like deluge of nutrition weird stories and, and concerning ones. Start with this one. There was a report that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association this week, and I'm going to read the quote because this, I think this quote sums it all up. It's talking about people who drink pop, and it was a study of 452,000 people and their habits, and it found that, quote, greater consumption of total sugar-sweetened and artificially sweetened soft drinks was associated with a higher risk of all-cause mortality, which basically means, if I interpret the English in that one correctly, if you drink pop you will die in horrible ways. <laughs> okay, I think your interpretation needs a little bit of work. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know what? You said, the word that you said there that I think we really need to focus in on is association. So the survey that was done, the study that was done, yes, it, it did look at a large number of people for sure, um, but it was only an association, not a causation. So we can't say, we look at it and we can't say drinking pop, whether it's sweetened or artificially sweetened, sugar sweetened or artificially sweetened, we can't say that that causes uh, early death or heart disease or heart attack. The, unfortunately, the headlines... Uh, are making it seem that way, but it really is just an association. Because what they're saying is uh, that if uh, two people who drank two glasses per day of sugar, sweet, and soft drinks wound up with a higher rate of death from digestive diseases, including liver uh, disease of the liver, pancreas, appendix, intestines, etc., 
what I was wondering when I read this, and then when you say about associated conditions, do you believe when you look around, because I'm sure as someone who works in nutrition and food, you are looking at other people when they're eating as well, when you go out and seeing what they're consuming. Is there a logical connection between people who drink a lot of pop and maybe don't eat always the healthiest food as well? Are those two tied in? Well, I think it makes sense, really, if you take a look at the sorts of foods that you eat, generally speaking, when you're drinking soft drinks, right? You're eating highly processed, nutrient-poor fast food meals a lot of the time, or snacks, you know, salty snack foods. So there may be something to do with the fact that people who consume more of those beverages also have a, a poor diet overall. One of the interesting things about this study with the diet pop was that the, the researchers themselves even said that it may be uh, uh, that there are people who are drinking more of the diet pop already had poor health. So maybe they already had an increased risk for heart disease. Maybe they already had um, diabetes or prediabetes. And so they switched from regular pop to a, an uh, artificially sweetened pop. And that may actually be the issue at hand is that they are generally have unhealthy habits. It's not necessarily just what they're drinking. Right. Because this study also points out that two glasses a day of artificially sweetened soft drinks led to, and these things were more in the heart and arteries department, but you also had problems. So everybody knows that if you are a little bit overweight and you just drink diet pop instead of real pop, that solves all your problems. And therefore this may be the connection right there. Well, yeah, exactly. So that's not it, right? That's not the case. Um, And certainly, you know, one of the things that they looked at uh, as well was around um, health and weight um, and and the connection there with with heart disease uh, as well. And it's a really complicated picture. And so I think that's the thing with nutrition is there's a lot that comes into play when we take a look at at health and at heart disease and, and any sort of chronic disease and causes of death. There's no one food or beverage that's going to make or break um, your health, unless it's something you're allergic to, for example. And really what we want to encourage people to do is, yes, drink fewer um, pops and sugary sweetened beverages and artificially sweetened beverages and drink more water, but also make that you know, water as part of an overall healthy eating pattern. Is it really, the, the, what a lot of people will then do is, okay, I, I shouldn't drink so much Coke or Pepsi or Dr. Pepper or whatever else, but I still want something that tastes good. So they then start downing juice. Is juice really that much better for you than pop? Well, juice is also really quite high in sugar. And uh, depending on the juice that you drink, there's not, you're not going to get a whole lot of nutritional value out of that. So many of the studies link when they look at, sh- at sugar-sweetened beverages, they also include juices, they include sports drinks, they include energy drinks, they include, um, you know, fruit punches. It's not just pop that we're looking at. It's, it's a lot of those beverages give you a real sort of immediate blast of sugar. And so, so, so just drink pop. Or, sorry, just drink water only. Just drink water and you'll be fine. No, well, you know what? I mean, certainly we want to encourage people to drink more water. But also, you know, coffee or tea are also high in water as long as they're not sugar-sweetened. And, and definitely try to reduce your intake of those sugar-sweetened beverages. You don't need to be afraid of them, but they don't need to be part of your daily diet. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We are chatting about food. Uh, there are a bunch of stories that have been out in the last few days 
that are a little bit disturbing around the world of food. Uh, Shannon Cocker, Crocker, <laughs> Shannon Crocker, I'll get your name right eventually, uh, who is a dietitian and nutrition expert from this area, joins us. This one, this one really struck me as interesting because they are now saying, there's been another study that's been done, and they're now saying, look, we've got so many teenagers that are now being diagnosed with depression and we're trying to figure out why this is. And we have lots of doctors that are wanting to help, obviously, and prescribe medications or whatever else. And there are people saying, wait a second, um, we think that a big cause of this may be a high fast food, low plant-based diet. I don't think they mean vegan. I just mean not eating vegetables. Do you think there could be anything to that? Could there be a connection there? Um, well, again, I think when we take a look at that study, they're talking about an association. So not a cause, right? If you eat fast food, it's not going to cause you to be depressed. But um, definitely a diet uh, can play a role. Your diet can play a role in mental health. There's there's really so much involved in mental health, Scott. And, and of course, that's absolutely true. And yet, when I hear, I, like, I rarely hear of anyone saying, you know what, uh, my child has been or I have been diagnosed with depression, and the first thing they said is adjust your diet. It's always medication first, it seems. And I'm wondering if that is the logical first step or if this is more of a logical first step. Uh, well, I think we don't know really enough about mental health and diet to be able to say if you change any one particular thing right now, it's going to have that big of an impact, right? Because there's so much that's involved in mental health, like lack of sleep and overuse of social media, um, you know, not enough exercise, definitely all of those play a role together. Certainly improving your eating patterns, eating less highly processed nutrient-poor foods may play a role and, and could be a positive step. And then we get the flip side of that, which is that there's a study out, again, like these studies, I love these studies. Mm-hmm. There's money, grant money being flying around to do all these things. Uh, vegan diets, so now you've flipped. You've said, okay, I've got depression, and they say it might be fast food, and we don't have enough plant-based nutrition in my diet, so I'm going to go be vegan. That's going to fix it. Now they're saying vegan diets may cause brain nutrient deficiency. So you're kind of snookered either end of the spectrum. I know what you're going to say here, I think, which is, hey, have some balance in your life and maybe we're going to be better off. But it does seem like it's a tricky thing that every single lifestyle diet almost that we choose, someone says, yeah, there's something wrong with that. Well, you know what? It, that's fascinating. I mean, the world of nutrition, um, there's so, that just goes to show you there's so much that goes on and goes into play and so much that we really don't know about nutrition and how it impacts health. I mean, we've got some basics. We certainly know that a diet rich in vegetables and fruits and whole grains, um, nuts, seeds, you know, lean proteins is going to be more helpful for you uh, for sure. But the intricacies of particular foods and, and how they work together in your overall eating pattern gets a little bit trickier for sure. All right, this is the last one we have time for, and th- this may be the most bizarre story I've read in a long, long time, and it's tragic in a sense. Yeah. It, it's very sad, but I, I, I almost can't believe it, although it's, it's been written in multiple respectable journals and newspapers and everything else. Like, it's not a, 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 it doesn't seem to be a scam. It's a British teenager. His family described him as a fussy eater. For years, he's now 14, he ate nothing but French fries, Pringles, chips, the occasional slice of white bread, and maybe a piece of ham every now and again. And apparently, they say because of his diet, he's now gone blind. I, I, what? 
Right. So this actually, this uh, he's now 19, this teenager. So he started going in to see the doctors when he was 14. This is a really um, intriguing story. I think that, you know, we need to know that this is highly rare. This isn't just somebody who's eating lots of potato chips. This is a, this is a child, a teenager, who had um, a pretty, from what, what I've read and looked at a few different, um, looked at the case study, et cetera, he had a, a very restrictive food intake to the point of almost being an, an eating disorder. So he was very poorly nourished. He was um, low in nutrients. He, you know, he had a vitamin B12 deficiency, for example, which is um, related to neurological impact, which is what they think leads to this nutritional um, optic neuropathy, which is where he started to go blind. So it's a very severe case. Um, I think it's something that, you know, they still are trying to figure out what actually really caused it. But certainly nutrition plays a role in eye health. And I think that's the bottom line message is nutrition does play a role in our health. And if we can eat more healthfully, it may be more protective for your health. All right. We've only got 20 seconds. This is way too tough Mm -hmm. a question for you to answer in 20 questions. But let's say you are the parent of a kid who is an incredibly picky eater and doesn't want to eat good stuff. What do you do? Oh, you know what? I've been there. I've been that parent for sure. And I've got so many different tips. Um, I think really one of the most important things is to just relax about it. Oftentimes, most kids come around, um, just continue to offer nutritious choices to them. Don't pressure them. Uh, They will, you know, my son would not eat a vegetable or fruit to save his life. And now now he's slowly starting to add those in. I think that's more the case, uh, more often than the the student or the child that that was in that case study that we're looking at. And, uh, you know, I think parents, it's, it's tough for sure, but just hang in there. You can read her, her name is Shannon Crocker. You can read her website, shannoncrocker.ca. Go look up her, uh, her site. It's got some great stuff on there. Shannon, really appreciate you taking time today. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks, Scott. Great to chat with you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let me bring in, I don't need to give many much more of an introduction. I already did. Let me bring in Bubba O'Neill from CHCH. Sir, how are you today? I'm getting some background noise there, Bubba. What do you got there? Getting some background noise. What? <laughs> you didn't hear it? I did hear it. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm pretending I didn't. I'm playing through. <laughs> Happy birthday, sir! Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. Yes, that's true. Uh, 24, 25? Uh, almost. If you flip that around and change a number or two, yeah. I won't say which number you have to change, and to what. But yes, it's, uh, you know, I, here's the thing, whatever the number is, I still feel as wildly immature as if I was 16. I think, you know, when you get to our age, I think the less mature that we act, the better. I said to someone just before I came in here, I was talking to Rick Zamperin in the newsroom and I said, I I mean, I still find great glee in a solidly told fart joke. And I mean, look, that's, I know that's a 16 and 17 year old thing to laugh about, but it's true. I just, I, my daughter is 24. She is vastly more mature than I am. (laughs) She was more mature than I am when she was six. So, you know, it keeps you young. You know, the only time that that's a bad thing, and I'm telling you, this is serious. The only time that 
thinking that you are young or younger than you are is a bad thing is after the show, almost every night, four nights a week at least, sometimes five, I go to the gym. And I still, when I go to the gym, I still think I'm 18 years old. That leads to problems at times because I do stuff that is really stupid because I can do that. I watch some other person doing, I can do that. And then I'm away from the gym for a week because I've now pulled my Kerflugenhagen. <laughs> hey, but you get an A for effort, right? Like, I mean, at, you least do something. Not, at least you're not going in there thinking you're, you're the man and still going to the clubs, hanging out. I don't do know. that. The shirt is not unbuttoned down to the waist with some gold <laughs> chains dancing in the chest hairs. No, not doing that. I, I don't, I'm not, I've, I'm past the midlife crisis phase and I never really had the midlife crisis. If I was going to have a midlife crisis, it probably would have had something to do with a toupee or a weave or something. <laughs> and that's never going to happen because I, I don't know, you, you and I share that we, we both have a, a problem holding tuft on top of the head. And I think that there may be something when you're a bald guy I can spot toupees at a hundred paces. There um, is there is nobody that can pull off a good toupee. I can always spot it. And I say I say this to any of my friends, white, black, Asian. You know, once you start to get that chrome dome going, you need to come to terms with the bald head. It, it, it is a far better look. You talk about feeling younger. It, it, yes, it does take a little bit to get used to, but anything is better than the chrome dome look. Like trying to hold on to that little patch of hair on the side of your head, and I'm I'm probably offending some people, but no, I'm just, no, or the or the comb over from the from your ear when yes. you start the part just above your ear and comb the whole thing over the trump. Like dudes, lose it all, man. I, I, bald. Or or go with the Hulk Hogan and grow out the skullet. Bald on top and the mullet down the back and call oh, it the skullet. That's a bad look. Oh, that's a horrible look. I'm not actually going to try it. It was the Kim Mitchell for a while. Then it became the Hulk Hogan. <laughs> that nobody, nobody looks good with that. I'm sure there's guys in trailer parks in Southern states who are going, yo, uh, Skeeter, that, that hair did not look good on you. No. That's, it's bald. not a good look. Go, let it go. Like, name, name me an uncool bald guy. Ooh. Other than you and me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's, it's a cool look. It's effective. You know who does not look cool, bald? Uh, and he's just appeared on TV, and I'm forgetting his name right now. What's the guy, the leadoff hitter for the Yankees? Oh, uh, I don't know him. Um, because he has Probably got... do know him, but I can't think uh, of him. He has got such a perfectly round head. He looks like the great gazoo. You know? Anyway, you know, it's the pot calling the kettle black here at this point. I mean, we're all, all of us are in the same boat together. It's very convenient. I'm just saying that. So anyway, let's move along because you know who has bald heads? A lot of basketball players. Yes. A lot of basketball players. And I must tell you that I knew this was going to happen because when all, pretty much all, minus one or two of the NBA guys who are Canadian or the uh, top, I guess, college guys, but it's mostly NBA guys, when they all pulled the pin on playing for Canada internationally in this World Cup, you knew they weren't going to do well anymore because it's just it's a high level of competition and our best players aren't there. And then I knew I was going to be angry about it when we failed to do well. And we failed to do well. We've got blasted by our, our Australia, obliterated by Lithuania, and I think we lost today again. I To me, I I am angry about this now because I find it unforgivable 
that our best basketball players basically told the country to screw off. And if you're injured, fine. And if you didn't have a contract and you're a free agent, if there are any of those guys, fine. But the other guys, unforgivable. You know, Scott, I, I, I kind of disagree. Um, what's the incentive? Uh, you know, I, I just, I, you know, and, I'm, and I say this respectfully because I got a love, for, I got a love affair for, for Glenn Grunwald and certainly what he's established, you know, he established in his time here in Hamilton with McMaster, and he's trying to build something with, with you know, Canada basketball uh, at this point right now as the president. They're not there yet. And it was a big first step by getting Nick Nurse to be the head coach. Um, but they're not there yet. And there's a couple of other things, and I think this is why the United States, too, really, I mean, quite honestly, they're down. If, you could, if they, they could probably field five teams, and what they're presenting right there is probably their fourth team. There's nothing out there for these guys. The commitment to, to play for that team during, the, during your offseason is too long. We already saw what happened to Kelly Olynyk, you know, hitting a wet spot on the floor at Varsity Stadium, and you know, and came really. I mean, could have blown blown his knee out. Uh, there's no, there's no, there's got to be a little bit of a lollipop out there. Okay, so my lollipop would be twofold. One is it is something to get everybody, in my opinion, if you are a professional athlete making millions of dollars, you should be giving something back to your country without there having to be another payoff for you. I would think that your contract where every single week your paycheck is more than almost anyone else in the country is getting for a year should be enough of a reason for you to say, I want to do something for my country. That, that And the second part is that it is sad to me that the most committed NBA guy for Team Canada is the coach who isn't even a Canadian. That is pathetic when Nick Nurse is the most committed NBA guy well, on this team. No, I, that's not right, Scott. I mean, you, Corey Joseph is pers- Fair enough. Fair in, enough. In, in Corey Joseph, every, yes. Every time he's been asked, he's uh, 100%, been out there. 100%. But, but with, with that said, Corey Joseph is not a primetime player. He, is, he has rarely been a starter in the NBA. Um, he's been a guy that has started, had played in the, you know, with the Raptors a little bit, uh, and, and kind of played behind, you know, was a second stringer behind, uh, I can't remember his, his name right now, he just recently retired in, in, in San Antonio. Um, the Argentinian guy. No, France. He's from France. Oh. He had, had the famous wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, thank you. Tony Parker. Tony Parker. Thank you very much. I'm glad we were able to work that out together. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, again. What's his wife's really name? Remember nothing... his wife's name? Sorry? Do you remember his wife's name? No, I just know she's hot. That's true. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, it, it, there's nothing out there. And I think really that time change thing, the commitment you need, that commitment is too long in, during your off break. And FIBA needs to change something in terms of the qualifications or these tournaments. I mean, your commitment to, to the team would have been, I think, basically six weeks almost. And, and it's just too long for these guys when they have, you know, especially from some of the guys that went deep into the postseason. You know, this isn't like playing a two-week tournament for, you know, say for Hockey Canada, you know, that got to go out there and do the Olympics two weeks and then you're back, then you're back. It, it, it's too long. It's too convoluted, this whole – I struggle even to figure out. So now what's going to happen, they're going to play Senegal, I guess, in the middle of the night or early this morning too. 
Uh, and it's going to depend. It's going to really seed them in terms of a classification of they're either going to be like fifteenth, sixteenth, or seventeenth, or eighteenth. And then there's some backdoor way of possibly making the Olympics. I think next June. No one knows how this how this works. I just don't think there's enough out there right now. And I don't think Basketball Canada, who for whatever reason, they just don't have the profile of a Hockey Canada. I mean, here's, here's something to consider. We want, TSN broadcast the Ivan Holinka gretzky tournament. Under, seven, under 18 hockey players. Almost every world stage hockey tournament I can think of can be seen on TV. Like this one would no, this one would have been. I guarantee you, this tournament would have been shown on TV if some of those NBA players had showed up. You think so? Yeah, absolutely, well, I like do. They didn't even broadcast any of the exhibition games that were played in Toronto or or or, or, or sorry, Winnipeg. Like I don't, they they get no love. They don't. I mean, they're they're they're, they're on a as tight of a budget as you can possibly imagine. They don't quite have the the sponsorship. They just don't get the love of Hockey Canada, and thus they can't offer the players the same sort of treatment that the, the hockey players get. So if you're a player, they're in some ways, and I'm not saying it's all about them or all about me or that kind of thing. There's got to be some kind of treatment that's better for NBA, full NBA, or professional players. And I just don't think it's offered to Basketball Canada right now. If Canada had somehow, if these scrub players, and, I, and that's unfair to call them, I mean, some of the guys are named scrub, but... Um, the, the world, the world the European Phil guys scrub. who play in Europe. They are, they're good players, they're just not world elite players. Mm-hmm. If these guys had somehow managed to figure it out and qualified for the Olympics, though... This is part of what drives me nuts about this. I could see a whole bunch of those NBA players saying, well, well, okay, now I'm interested. And, and that, I mean, I get it. I understand why they would feel that way. But then I'm looking at it going, no, if I'm Glenn Grunwald, as painful as it would be, and as probably cost me my job, I would say, wait a second, you refused to come and help us qualify. These guys bled and sweated to get us here. How can I now cut them loose and tell them they can't play? That's impossible, Scott. You could never do that. You could never do that. Again, so you know what's going to happen is the United States are probably going to win the, win the, the, you know, the, the, the CONCACAF element of this tournament. Uh, and and they're probably going to finish in the top two, and that's exactly what's going to happen when the Olympics roll around. Now, I'm not saying LeBron James will be there, but you can be you can bet that the team that go to the Olympics will be a way better team than they have right now, and that's just the way it is. And why would you why wouldn't you want it anyway? That means more money for you as a as a basketball organization. That's more money for the IOC, and in some ways, more money for NBA because it gives you better exposure. So it's a win win for everyone. And yeah, you're right. It does me that the the scrubs got to go out there and dig out the hole and get these teams into into the uh, into the Olympics and qualify them for the Olympics, but that's kind of the way it is. That's kind of the way this goes. And plus, the commitment isn't as long. Well, okay, let me go back though because I'm looking. I'm trying to go through the various sports that we have that you have a national team for. There is not an NHL player. There's not a Canadian NHL player who, if healthy, and if he has a contract, if Team Canada, if Hockey Canada came calling, would say no to Team Canada. I don't think. We don't hear of them. When uh, tennis, Raymond, Raymond Bork said no. Mary Lemieux said no several times. Yeah, but that was usually, there was a, there was a reason behind it at that point. Uh, no, they, they were tired, and they, they were tired from their season. And, and, and there are tons of, tens, uh, maybe hundreds of players 
Scott, that say no to playing in the World Championship. Well, but that, okay, so you've, you're literally just finished your playoff run. We haven't even started the NBA season. This is perfect tune-up stuff. But beyond that, so tennis players, they all sign up. They all go to the Davis Cup, even though they're in the middle of their season. Um, you, you go through the list. The problem I have with this is that, again, you have basketball players who are living a wonderful life now. There's no question about it. It's hard work. I'm not taking away their hard work. I'm not taking away their talent, all that stuff. They are living a wonderful life. And uh, it's my thought, it's my belief, it's my opinion that, you know what, you owe it, you owe it to give something back to that country. Now, I know guys do things like they show up at clinics and they, I know that some guys have given out school supplies and other things, and those are all wonderful things. But I, th- I, th- I believe you owe something to Basketball Canada and to How, the basketball okay, community. Let's, 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 let's be local here, okay? What, what I mean, Shea Gildas-Alexander, let's go local here, right? What does he owe Basketball Canada? That, everything he's done has been not because of Basketball Canada, but what does Basketball Canada have to do with him playing, uh, you know, at a world-class school at the university level at Kentucky? What? Well, okay, so Basketball Canada may not be the thing that had got him into it, but Basketball in Canada got him into the game, whether it was Vince Carter or whether it was the Raptors or something. And so he, I oh, think... Wow, Scott, he played basketball here in town, and then, and then you know... All these guys talk went, about went to went to a prep school in the United States and then got drafted and then ended up in an, on an NBA and well now two NBA teams. But all these guys talk about how there was something that got them into the game that spurred their interest and whether it was I say Vince yeah, Carter in the dunk for, contest for, yeah, or whatever for, for guys that were playing in the NBA. But it's you are now the guy or the guys who are going to do that same thing for the next generation. How many kids and I mean the Raptors winning I'm sure have made. Tons of kids decide to sign up and play basketball. What could the Canadian team in the Olympics have done to also do that? These are the things that, you know, when you're talking about giving something back, something inspired you, you have a chance to inspire someone else through the country. I, 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 and I believe, and we'll use Shea again as an example because he's local. He's done a, a, I mean, during this off season, he's been all over the town. He's been around for sure. Doing all kinds of things. And that's his giving back, giving back to his community where he, you know, where he crafted, you know, crafted his craft and did his thing and got noticed and ended up, you know, as a, you know, because the way that this is, unfortunately, and I love you sports and I know you do too. You can't make the NBA from you sports, right? So he ended up doing whatever he had to do here, ended up playing at a prep school in the United States and then filtered it into the United States college system and then ended, worked it into an NBA career. That has nothing to do with Basketball Canada. In, 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 in my opinion, Basketball Canada have a long way to go to reach the elite status of, I was going to say, of Hockey Canada to maybe make this a little bit more juicy for players to play for them. And again, let's get these tournaments out of areas like Asia and China where there's a huge time zone difference and and you and you have to make such a long commitment after an incredibly long NBA season. I've got the answer. I do. Last Olympics or two Olympics ago, I can't remember, but LeBron James and I think Kobe Bryant and those guys were all in the Olympic team. The US basketball rented a giant cruise ship to be their home base for their families. They got the run of this luxurious cruise ship and it was just the team. 
You do that for Team Canada now. Now, you probably don't have to do it with a cruise ship like at that level because you don't have LeBron James's guys yet. You could probably do it with like a, a nice Winnebago. But nonetheless, you do something that's going to make these guys think that they're special and that we're going to put them up. Uh, yeah, you got to find some way. You you have to find some way because here's the thing. we got to go. These Olympics are almost for sure now gone. You can't let the next Olympics with this, what people are calling the golden era of Canadian basketball, you can't let the next Olympics go by without these guys too, or else the era it passes us and then that chance is gone. They, they're ha- we have to find a way to get these guys to play next time. I, I, and, I, and, I, and, and I mean, I know I'm, I'm kind of sticking up for the players. I mean, believe me, I totally agree with you. I share, <clears throat> I, I, I agree with you. I share that disappointment too. You know, but I also think that there's issues. I, I mean, I mean, I, who's waking up to, to watch a basketball game? And I'm not a basketball fan. There's not a lot of people that are going to be waking up in our area at three thirty or four o'clock this morning to watch Canada and Senegal. Like something's got to be. It's got to be set up better. Spicy P might. Isn't he Sengali? No, where's he from? <laughs> Spicy P. Yeah. What's his, he's from Senegal, isn't he? Where's he from? He, uh, Spicy P's from the Congo. I oh, okay. No, I no, thought... the Congo, I believe, is uh, Abaka. No. Anyway, I think it was Senegal he's from. Yeah, so maybe he's you're prob- right. He's maybe probably right. up. Spicy P yeah. will be up at three in the morning watching. Yeah. Well, he, I don't know. I just or I, playing for them. Who knows? Is he playing I, for them? I don't. I, I'm not quite sure. Hmm. I just, I just, again, and that's the thing. Look, I don't even know. I'm, I'm a sportscaster, and again, the way this is all set up, I mean, who's playing for who? Uh, it, it, it's just, I don't know. Like, I don't know. When did the World Cup of basketball become important? This year, because the guys didn't show up. Hey, we got to go. But by the way, uh, Bianca Andreescu in huge trouble at the U.S. <laughs> Open. She uh, did not break serve on the first game and trails one nothing in the first set. I, this one may be done. Isn't this great, the, the attention that she's getting for women's <laughs> tennis right now? I am being facetious, by the way. Uh, yes, it is fantastic. And I wish that I was in the discussion about who becomes the Canadian Female Athlete of the Year, whether it's her or Brooke Henderson, because you know usually it's the Male Athlete of the Year that causes the big nightmares and the big headaches. This year, there may be fistfights in that room deciding which of those two becomes the Female Athlete of the Year. I have flip-flopped at least five times in the last week or two. I really have. If she wins the U.S. Open, it might put it puts her over the top. I think over Brooke. You know who I don't think is going to win? Mike Soroka, Jeannie Bouchard. Oh. Anyway, she wins on Instagram though. She does the win that social media. She is the reigning champion and the champion again that will be coming up. Uh, Bubba O'Neill, always appreciate you doing this. Thank you, sir. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you. The Scott Radley Show, weekday evenings from six to eight on nine hundred CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.